One other reason I wanted to show that video, I wanted to thank you as Northland Church family because uh, you are so much part of that journey. And, uh, and I'm so, so grateful to you for so many different things. It's hard for me not to cry because I'm a little sensitive uh, this morning because of uh, our daughter. I mean, we, we celebrated Courtney, our daughter, who had been married for a little over a year, and we got us a granddaughter in Norway on December 23rd. Yay! And so my wife and I, it just changed our life. And, but there was this bittersweet uh, because uh, Lila Ann and Rayvon, who had been married for 11 years, uh, we also received the news that it was going to be impossible for them to have children. So they received the same news around the same time period. So while we were rejoicing and trying to rejoice with Courtney, we were weeping and mourning with Lila and was trying to walk this. And so we were in the morning and both Greg and Michelle beautifully was walking with us as family and also your experience, what you have done so beautifully here is to be a family, but it is also to making sure as I'm saying that the, that the world is gonna be free from orphans, that every orphan is gonna find a home. And so that the, we, we also believe that, first of all, God is a family, and God has always been a family, and he wants a family, and he's going to restore a family represented from every nation, tongue, tribe, and language. But here's the good news. So what happened with us was that in December, my daughter says, hey, I'm considering adoption. So it was just within about two months of mourning, we thought, wow, this was a beautiful healing. So I contacted uh, Greg and we contacted and said, hey, I know you guys have experience here at Northland and just give some advice. Can you talk to our daughter? And we talked through the process and it was less than three, four weeks afterwards, they said, we got a match. And I thought, this is something weird. I need to make sure we get some wisdom and you guys have experience. And it was a match and it was a match. And and, and I think it is so beautiful that because of so many of the babies being aborted, that suddenly their mama choose life. I wanted to give this. And then she had a list of what she was looking for. So when the paper came in of Rayvon and Lila, it was exactly a mixed couple, was exactly what she had been dreaming of. So our daughter went down and met with, uh, met with uh, my son and daughter went to Florida and they was there and they were part of the birth. And my daughter got to cut the umbilical cord of the baby. So I was sitting there with, uh, uh, I, I was there yesterday too, but anyway, with Malachi is his name. Wow. He's, he's not even six pounds yet, but little Malachi. And then I was just looking at his face. And as I was looking at him, I just wept and I wept and I wept. And I just realized, first of all, I received a fresh new impartation from God. But it was almost like the way that Papa God is looking at each one of us. And then I heard very clearly, he says, I'm restoring the childlikeness and the innocence back to my sons and daughters. And until we see ourselves the way that God sees us, so I could feel this overwhelming love. It was beyond any love I've experienced before when I was looking at that, that grandson. But something happened to me in the middle of it when I received all say love that I have not experienced from Papa God. And there was this beautiful shift. So I, I feel it's also a little bit connected to some of the things that God is doing for us even this morning. So I'm telling you, that's why I'm a little bit, even when we are just talking and then Michelle had bought a nice little gift for a grandson and you guys even were part of helping to be able to provide some of the expenses. I just want to thank you for that. And, and you have been involved, like what you saw in the video, and just even since we were together here. Uh, one of the pictures here was with the president of Kashmir. And then also, uh, just on the last, last recent trip, I met with the Taliban leadership. 
because again, you're talking about widows. Uh, Afghanistan was the country that had the largest percentage of widows because of all the war. Uh, so, but all these women behind the veil. And so you have authority over what you weep over. So when we start to be broken over what's broken in this world, then we also have authority over what we love. So when we come in from a place, the first part of that is connected to the lamb's aspect of Jesus. Jesus is the lamb of God, but he is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what we have, even I just wanted to give a little warning, and just remember I'm a Norwegian, so when it comes to some of the political climate, but I just wanted to, to, to share my heart here, that I do believe God is raising up here at Northland some roaring lambs. That you're going to be lamb on the inside, so you can be a lion on the outside, so when you roar, people will gather and not scatter, because it comes from the lamb's heart. So that you see what Barabbas deserved, but let me take his place so that he can become free. And that's what you, one of the guys on the video, and I know Greg even met the guy. For five years he tried to kill me, and I realized he was not the problem, I'm the problem. Because we don't have a darkness problem in the world, but lack of light. And so when I shifted my lenses and started to see him the way that Papa God was seeing him, and no longer seeing a terrorist Saul, but saw the Apostle Paul, before he's become it. So when my lenses change, well, you don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. So this thing started to stir in my spirit. I don't, I just feel my spirit is full this morning, so I have to fasten my seatbelt and I'm not trying to overdose you because I have Paul Yar and Micah here. And I know I want Paul to come up and to release because I know there's people thirsty here. And I want you to drink, drink what I'm experiencing is pure, pure water. And when we start to drink from this water, river starts to flow again. Yeah. And, and today we're going to talk about it is harvest time. And I wanted to get back into the word that came from uh, Tyler so beautifully about the alignment. And just getting back into the alignment. And he started with John 20, verse 19 to 23. It's some of my life verses. But let's just start by getting into the alignment. Because the disciple himself had experiencing a sunset on the Friday moment. It seems like the dream was dying. Like my own daughter, Lila. I mean, they had 11-year Saturday before Sunday came along. But I'm just here to tell you, you maybe have had a long Saturday, but Sunday is coming. And so this hope defer makes your heart sick. But in this season, we start to dream again and desire again. It is the tree of life. And that's the season that you're sending into a shift right now in the season. It is harvest time. We're going to open up our eyes and we're going to actually be able to see what God sees, what's going on in the world. And you're going to get so overwhelmed by his love that nothing else can overwhelm you. Because whatever overwhelms you will shape you. And you can get so overwhelmed, and I've done that lately, you get so overwhelmed by the circumstances that we forget being overwhelmed by Him. But when I started getting overwhelmed by Him, nothing else can overwhelm me. Uh, Are you getting it? So anyway, I'm just uh, getting a little excited here. I'm going to try to be in the scriptures here. But in John 20, the disciples are overwhelmed. And because of what they've gone through and with their post-Christian culture, that's maybe not a good title for what was happening, but... I'm actually finished. I just finished my thesis this week. So I feel like my doctoral thesis. So it is in for editing and after. So I want you to give your pastor some extra grace. (laughs) Because I know he is in the process and it has been a tough, tough battle. But after these years of research, it's like I I delivered that baby. (laughs) And I feel like so light right now that I would like to fly. (laughs) 
I, I don't have to be up to three in the morning and getting up the next morning and it just feels so free. But anyway, so here we are back in John 20. So they're getting into an alignment. Jesus doesn't knock on the door because he is the door. So in John, he, Jesus just comes and he just fills that room with his presence. Say his presence. Say his presence. Let me slow down. <clears throat> his presence changes everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. So his presence just comes into this room and then afterwards he says, peace be with you. From his presence, he's bringing them into an alignment with peace. Peace to your mind, peace to your body, peace, peace, peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons and daughters of God. And you cannot give the world something you didn't first receive. So it starts, this is all about rest. Say rest, receive, become, release. You rest, then you receive. And then you go through the process to become the message. And then you can release the message. Yeah. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. Yeah. Yeah. So the process of becoming. So did Jesus, he in part first his presence, then his peace, then his provision. He showed them his hands and his side. So whatever issue you're dealing with, look at his hands and his side. This is a covenant statement. It is an I am that I am statement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have chronic pain. I am your healer. Look at my hands and my side. Well, I'm a little sad. I am your joy. So whatever you're going through, you first rest and receive and being overwhelmed by his presence. Then receive his peace. Then look at his provision. Look at the finished work of what Jesus has paid for. We're looking at the marks, the covenant marks that I am that I am. I am your healer. I am your provision. I am your strength and your weakness. I am your joy. I am your freedom. Whatever you need, this is the alignment. And then the Bible says, they became glad. There was an environment change that took place from being sad, suddenly in the middle of Culture hadn't changed, but they are about to change. They're getting into the alignment. Yeah. And then now after the joy came in, he gave double for the trouble. <laughs> he gave it a peace one more time, and we're going to need a double peace in this season. And so when that alignment, that's when we went in with Tyler so beautifully presented. Now he said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And a lot of us, we don't want to go out for the harvest without first receiving. Because we need to have something that comes from him, that goes through him, and goes back to him. Then glory is being released. So the starting point it is his presence, his peace, his provision, his passion, then his peace, then the alignment, then you start the assignment. Now he said, ask the Father, send me, I'm going to send you. And that's a little overwhelming. And that's when Tyler came in that he said in the prayer meeting, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He's actually calling us to Mission Impossible. Not the movie. But actually, he's inviting us to do something you couldn't do because you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And so he breathes on them and says, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that he had. That same spirit. So you do what you see your father do. You say what you hear your father say. You're coming in that spirit of adoption that says, Abba, Father, sons and daughters. So coming into this alignment for the assignment. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. Verse 23 puts it actually together. He says, you're going to be involved in a ministry of reconciliation to represent God before people and people before God. Your view towards what's happening in your city, your view what's happening in America has all to do with how God treats them. 
He could do it himself, but he have chosen to actually delegate that to sons and daughters that will represent him as kingdom ambassadors. And then Jesus actually says, ask the Father send Jesus, he sends us. And now I'm going to go into the message. That was the appetizer. <laughs> if you open up your Bible to John chapter 4. Are you guys okay? Yeah. So say alignment yeah. for the assignment. So here we have an opportunity to represent him well. The six cities in America, the believers believes, deserves the most judgment, has received the most judgment. Let me say that again. The six cities in America that the believers put on the list and the prophets will say deserves the most judgment because of sin. The ones the believers have judged the most have experienced the most judgment, not because it is God's will. It is when the believers comes into an agreement with a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Instead of Jesus who came to give life and life more abundantly. So the perversion in Sodom and Gomorrah was not the major issue. It is how many righteous do we have? And there's enough righteous here at Northland this morning to create a tsunami wave of difference. There is enough ambassadors of love to make heaven invade earth. But the ones that is going to represent him, represent the God that looks like Jesus. To wash the feet of the Judas anyway. So but the story here is the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to just take a couple of highlights. And then we're moving this into the harvest. So I'm going to take the time and slow down and read the scripture verses. Because I know you have probably one of the best teachers that I know here. And he want to make sure that I read the word of God. Not just quoted. And not from an app. Not from a phone. That's... Oh. Anyway, I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> I have a grandson and a granddaughter. Woo. Woo. Yeah. Let's start in verse John 4:31. In the meantime, his disciple urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, to eat, of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus, he said to them, my food, say my food, my is to do the will of him who sent me and to, finish his, and to finish his work. My food, my food is to do, do the will of the one who sent me, of my father, and to finish his work. That's my food. Do you not say there is still four months and then harvest Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps and receives wages and gather fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And I send you to reap that which you have not labor, that others have labor, and you have not entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Say, woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans has come to him, they urge him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believe because of his own word. I'm going to just kind of put this together just to, to mold it. But the story before is the story of the Samaritan woman. And I felt that she represents us well today. And I'm going to actually open up my iPad because I often have a tendency to forget. But there was a couple of clever things that I wrote down that I want to make sure 
that I don't forget exactly. Because I wanted to focus a little bit, because I feel this woman, she represents very much of the culture that is out here today. And if each one of us going to represent a God that looks like Jesus, America have not yet said no to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, they just said no to the version of Jesus that they believe. Yeah. And I also believe with the Muslims. Most of these Muslims, uh, uh, this is the first experience they have is with a God that looks like Jesus. And I was sharing with Greg earlier that Greg and I, I said, Greg, can you come up to the hotel room? We were sitting at the breakfast area, and I've invited the chairman of the Shia political party. That's the Iranian group. And a couple of their leaders, and one of them was there. And we had a word of knowledge, but using wisdom, we didn't want to pray right there at the breakfast table. So we asked this one person if he would come up to the hotel and say, Greg, come on, up to my hotel room. And we stood there. Maybe you've seen the video of this guy, but he had a rotator cuff and he gets healed. The presence of Jesus just comes into the room and Greg and I'm just standing there and he gets so excited like, what happened? That's impossible. It's Jesus. Everyone deserved experiencing a God that looks like Jesus. And Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And any view of God that, that the world have that does not look like Jesus, it is time for us to put the question mark. But what happens is that the majority of the believers has a view, and including in this cultural context. So Jesus is coming to Samaria. First of all, he's not even supposed to be there. So there's these cultural biases. And there's a couple of things about this woman and, and one of the things here is, first of all, you have the racial issues that is going on. And we've had some of that. You have the gender issue, and you also have a religious issues going on. So you have some strikes against Jesus. He is showing up. First of all, I travel in the Middle East, spend a lot of time in the Middle East. It took me 21 years before the first time that I had a chance to minister to a Muslim woman. Meaning, I believe God was going to open up the Muslim women, but because of the culture context, me as a male do not have a chance to be able to minister. But it was also connected to the same Shia Muslim. After the last healing I had in the Shia Muslim headquarters, one of them got so excited, he went and he ran. And he brought, because the wife needed healing, daughter needed healing, and all these women came. And then the presence of Jesus showed up and the women got healed. So I'm putting that into perspective. When Jesus shows up, good things happen. And sometimes all we needed to remove away the things that is not Jesus. So anyway, so the story here is that there were some of these biases, but I love, and I actually yesterday went on and I looked just on, uh, on Chosen. There's like a little seven minutes clips. And I just started to weep. And it is about, it is just a, the video of Jesus with a woman at the well. And at this Jacob well, I don't have the time to break down the scripture verses, but just a couple of the essence to bring this into the harvest, because that's the bridge into this harvest, and it is harvest time. So with this woman who is there, Jesus comes and appears, and we know the story. In the middle of the day, she's hiding, it is hot, and Jesus shows up and says, hey, can you bring me some water? And she is like, hey, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. I mean, we're kind of an outcast. You're coming to the Democrats, you that are part of the head of the Republican Party? And say, so how can I serve you? And etc. I mean, we just have to see it in a context because, again, in a practical way, does what does love look like? And the question in this season is not just what is right and wrong. That's important. But more important is what does love require of you? What does love require me in this situation? And love looks like something. This woman had some love deficiency. And when you have love deficiency, you have God deficiencies. Because God is love. Yes. 
And when there's areas in your life that is not comfortable with love, those areas not comfortable with God. We do not know the details of this woman's story, but Jesus eventually starts to coming in. And I, I love this about Jesus. Because he didn't coming in, I mean, he had a big reason to going in and say, you got some issue. And sometimes what we as a church has done, I'm not saying you, but I have done it myself. It's telling people you have to be clean to take a bath. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm coming to the Muslims. I'm saying, hey, you need to give up all of this and do this and this and that. And if you do that, then you can become a Christian and then you kind of become part of us. Because we're saying that people have to behave to believe to become. But Jesus was very differently. He invites you to come. Come and hang around with me. Even the disciples was with him for three years before they got converted. So he gave them the belonging. Out of the belonging of being with him, the believing came. And then eventually out of the believing, the behaving came. So it's not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. The one you're with is the one you become like. The one you're beholding is the one you're becoming. Anyway, so Jesus comes into this story with this woman at the well. And we know this story. And eventually he gives a word of knowledge and he starts to describe. That's why it's important. Words of knowledge and healing goes often together. And that is just when God just whispers in the ear and says something he wants to do. But we need to learn how to steward that sometimes in a culture context. And sometimes we need to learn how to do covert revival. What do you mean by that? Well, you may be in a classroom and you cannot say God said or Jesus said. So you have to learn how to translate that into that culture, in that setting, to change the temperature in the classroom. And then everybody just said, my child had ADHD, I don't know what happened. Because you have learned to check. You're changing the atmospheres that is around because you're becoming a thermostat, not just a thermometer. So you're not just checking the temperature, you are setting the temperature because of the temperature that you have been set. And we're walking into an environment and we become environment changers, representing a God that looks like Jesus. Anyway, so in this story, and there's just a couple of more highlights that is taking place. It's so beautiful when Jesus eventually gives her these words of knowledge. But it was no condemnation, it was an invitation. It was not the point. God, and by the way, even for some of us, when I was reading this story in the past, I thought this woman is pretty loose. But if you understand the Middle Eastern context, I mean, women is not worth a whole lot. Maybe it was hurt and abused by the first one that just threw her out, the next one, and she's just come from one place to the other. Major love deficiency. And Jesus goes right into the root of this very issue. And I think this is what we're going to do with a society that when we see people out there, we maybe see the behavior, we're seeing what is on the, on the outset, but when you're getting into the root issue in people's life, there is a major father deficiency, love deficiency that Jesus wants to heal. And he wants to heal that through our lives, ordinary people like you and I. And that's what Jesus, he goes right into the root. He's, he shares, hey, let me tell you what's going on. And automatically she feels condemnation. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, I flew into Pittsburgh and I went into a little mining community and it was like going back in time. I think that since a lot of the industry went out, this whole place fell apart. And we came in, it was kind of a rough setting and it was a friend that wanted me to come. He says, we need a love encounter. And, and I had written a book, The Love Encounter, and he said, we need a baptism of love. Get rid of the fear, but the addiction and everything else. So I just went in there to minister. And there was one lady in the room. She just came up and just released 
a baptism of love where I just looked at her and see what Papa God was seeing. And she had an encounter with his love. And she wept and she wept on the floor during the service, just wept. And then afterwards she stood up and she said, I, how can I be born again? And I was, uh, normally it's the opposite way. But, but she, so I said, what is it? She said, I have been so dirty. I feel so full of shame. I've been so covered up and that I knew that the father couldn't accept me. And I've been trying to get all these things straight, but I've not been able to for over four years. But today, when I was there, suddenly when you brought me into the Father's love, then in the next moment, all of the shame is gone, all the fear is gone, and all the guilt is gone. And all I feel is I feel like a pure and everything else, and I want to give myself over to the Jesus that just did this to me. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Brian Higby, right afterwards, she said, and how can I be baptized? I want to be baptized right now, and all these different things. One encounter with love changes everything. And one more testimony story that reminds me, we were in, in Cuba. Maybe some of you have heard this story. It, 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 for some of you, if you're not familiar with the way sometimes I operate, but Aki, who is the pastor's wife, she would be what Michelle is here in the house. She came up to me and she said, they called me Papa Leif in Cuba. She said, Papa Leif, I just had a question for you. Uh, my hair... I, I have a sweet sister in my church, meaning one of the church members. She always cuts my hair. But it is not always that pretty. <laughs> so even if you are a believer, it's not sure that this is your primary gifting and anointing. So stay, stay within your lane. <laughs> Don't use anybody else's armor. Anyway, so here we have, but she said, there is this other lady. And I see these ladies coming and the hair is exactly what I would like my hair to look like. So she said, uh, uh, but the problem is she's a witch. And she's the, she's the leading of the Santaria, the witchcraft. And when you're going in there, there's all this demonic music and you see all these demonic symbols and there's demonic everywhere. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I, I didn't remember me saying that. I said, Repent. She looked at me strange and she said, what do you mean by that? I said, repent. Is the light in you greater than the darkness in the witch? Because the old system, if you touch the lepers, you become unclean. In the kingdom, if you touch the lepers, they become clean. Yes. <laughs> but if you're not more confident that the love in you is greater than the fear in the witch, don't go there. Go to the sister. <laughs> and don't like you here as much. I don't remember this conversation, by the way, at all. It was two years later that I found out about it. So the story is I'm back in Cuba, and, and uh, Aki had, through fear and tremble, gone to the witch. And she got her hair cut, and six times the next year, I visited Cuba. We had a normal service Sunday morning. She had brought the witch to come to the meeting. The witch got saved, healed, delivered in that meeting, and exploded. She, she had also had love encounter. Her name is Lee, by the way. She's not a witch any longer. Her name is Lee. A year afterwards, that's when I found out, two years after this incident, I am coming to Cuba, and then we have this new worship leader, and it's extravagant worship. And I'm sitting there weeping, and I was like, there's something different. We've had some great musicians, great worship leaders, but there's something different about this person. What is it? She's like, the glory is everywhere. I was so overwhelmed. I wept and wept. And finally, I said, tell me something. Who is this new person, this new worship leader? And they said, oh, that's the witch. <laughs> I said, which witch? <laughs> I did. And they said, oh, and that's how I found out about two years ago, I asked you. To, I didn't remember. She said, do you remember that? I said, no. 
So I didn't remember me saying it was just like in a meeting or saying something and then. But by the way, we were back and Paul Yara was with me there. She's now leading 18 lighthouses of love. House churches all over Cuba and leads the biggest move. She's the top evangelist we have in Cuba. And I thought about that with a Samaritan's woman. It's like certainly this person that seems to be one of the roughest part of the harvest has become one of the greatest harvesters. And Jesus says, I want you to open up your eyes and I want you to look. So there's a connection, a bridge built. The disciples are coming to Jesus. He, they watch us how he brings transformation. And this woman with all these issues is having a love encounter with Jesus. And the byproduct, it goes into the root issue in her life. And she comes from that place just as I was. That's why I wept during worship today. Because again, it was like, I felt this impartation that just when I was looking at my grandson, and I saw this childlikeness and innocence and the beauty, when she looked into Jesus and saw that, something happened with her. And I realized for me, there was a childlikeness and an innocence that took place when I looked at Malachi. And that's what Jesus did. He came to restore that. He came to save that which was lost, not just those that was lost. Luke 19, 10. And restoring that. And when she is going back and leaving the jars and coming back to her community, that's the Lee story. Everywhere she, she is contagious. She has a Jesus virus. You can't stop her. He told me everything that I've done, but look. And then the Bible says it was not just Jesus. First of all, it was her testimony that released why they believed. And then they met Jesus, and also because of the word of Jesus. And I felt then he built a bridge into the harvest. And now open up your eyes and see. Now I want you to look unto the harvest. The harvest is actually, there's not going to be four months, it's now. Now is harvest time. And I felt this picture for what is taking place. And I, I wanted to land this quickly because I want Paul Yaro to come and minister to us. But I'm sensing there's harvest time in America. We're heading into the most bumpy road that you have seen, but in the middle of this bumpy road, and there's going to be all kinds of storms. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. But I'm sensing in my eyes that I'm looking into the harvest right now. It's everywhere. These people in my neighborhood is just like the Samaritan woman. All these culture issues, there's gender issues, there's all these different things. But they're waiting for somebody like Jesus to show up and say, no, that's not who you are. You don't see how big Goliath is, you see how big God is. Open up your eyes and see. Look, look at the harvest. Look at these people. Look at this woman. Somebody, this whole world system, she has become like an orphan. But the Father wants to bring him back. And that's why he's connecting that so that you can have the true worshiper. And if I can get the worship team up and join me, they will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It didn't say worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Jesus says to worship the Father in spirit and truth. How is that going to connect to restore the identity of sons and daughters? And if God wanted something different than the family, he would ask us to call him something different than the father. But Papa, God wants his family back. And there's all those people that are lost out there that just wait for them to have an encounter. But for that to happen, I believe in my life, like I'm looking at Malachi, and I just weep and weep, but I'm also weeping for the harvest. And I see all these other people have lost their innocence. I'm sitting with one of the lady eating up a methamphetamine without teeth. And I just see this. And suddenly in the next moment, my tears goes in and I can feel the brokenness in her life. That was also in Pennsylvania two weeks ago. And deliverance just take place. And she come back like a totally new person the next day. I'm thinking about this businessman that was just 
the family did an intervention, very successful business, and came up to me in Harrisburg, and he just said a few years, seven years ago, I was an alcoholic, and I didn't know, they did an intervention, and then somebody gave me your book, and I sat in the truck, and then Jesus just came in, and the Father just came in and loved on me, set me totally free from alcoholism, and I've not wanted to drink at all for seven years. And he says, the companies I run right now, I couldn't have done that with that old person. But I went from being an orphan, and all the father deficiency and the father hunger is broken. And I'm just sensing that today. I know some of us have come to a season where we are thirsty. Is there anyone else that is thirsty? I'm hungry and thirsty. I cannot give, including the Muslim world, the invitations, the doors are there, but I cannot give something that I'm not. I cannot go out there and try, let's change Atlanta, let's, I can't do it. It has to come from him. But I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm seeing what's broken. I'm listening to the news. I'm hearing the orphans debating. I'm hearing people that are trying to fight which part of the tree of knowledge of good and evil do you like best? And we choose which one is good and which one is evil. And we miss out on the tree of life. Do not allow the debate in this system, the goal of which one do we like best in the orphan world of the orphan spirit. And don't misunderstand me. I believe in voting. I believe in standing firm and loving well. I believe in speaking the truth and love. But what I'm talking about is that we have to come from the lamb's pot. We have to come from the lamb's heart. We need to be broken over what's broken. That woman was broken and Jesus came from that place. Our cities are broken. Our nation is broken. The wall is broken. And I think that a fresh baptism of tears. So Paul is going to come and I just feel that we're going to enter into a place just taking a few moments. The ones that is thirsty, we're going to start to drink. The harvest is actually ripe. And they're just waiting for harvesters. And I do not believe we're going to start to mobilize. We need to go out there with the assignment. But I think what we're going to coming in, we're going to receive something fresh. And when we're going into our workplaces, we're going into the classroom, we're going into our homes, we're going into the different places. The people are like, who have you been with? Let me tell you about him. And we're going to be so contagious, be full of love, power, and wisdom. So Father, I just thank you so much for my family here. Thank you for the spirit of adoption. Thank you for the very calling that you have for this house. Thank you even as your blessing the leadership in Chiang Mai, as they're going there, the team, safe travel, the shalom over their travel. My Father, I just even ask right now that the prototype that you have for this church, that is going to bring, that the sons of daughters are going to leave this place. In every aspect, the CEOs is going to bring pure living water. The nurses, the school teachers, the children, the youth, everyone is going to come, come and drink. And what is the secret? I came to him and I drank. And out of that, these rivers just start to flow. I can't stop it. It is so overwhelming. And it's bringing life. It's bringing healing. It's restoring my childlikeness and my innocence back.